So do it all, right? So we'll just pile it all in there together, right? And, but that's the way it is sometimes, right? Sometimes you just got a lot of things, you get it all at once. And, uh, and I'm kind of that way, right? Chris calls me one trip chip because I don't want to go back to the car a second time. So I'm going to figure out how to get every bag. You know, I may look like a pack mule, but I'm going to get them all in one trip. You know, I'm not going back a second time. It doesn't matter what it takes. I may have to spend an hour just getting it loaded up there, but I'm not going back a second time. Uh, and so, uh, but um, uh, everybody's not that, that way, right? So if that's going to be a problem, you can let me know. <laughs> we'll pray for you or something. We'll, we'll, get, it, we'll get through it, right? Uh, so why don't we pray and get into the Word today. So Father, we do thank you for uh, the Word of God. We thank you, Father, that it's the foundation for all that we believe, all that we know about you, Father. We thank you that you revealed your plan and will for, for us and the church and the whole world, Father, through your Word and by your Spirit. And so, Father, we depend upon you, on your Spirit as our teacher and our guide and our instructor, Father. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians. We'll continue there today. So in this section of Scripture, really from uh, verse 10 down to verse 19, so about these 9, uh, 11, or uh, 10 verses here, he's really talking about uh, his financial uh, relationship with the Philippian church. And so if he spent that much time talking about finances, it's probably not a bad idea for, the, for us to talk about uh, finances. Uh, and uh, have, have there ever been any um, uh, things that are done wrong in the church in relation to finances? Uh, well, how many, uh, how many different ways can we count them, right? Uh, about how many different ways the church has uh, mismanaged or, or done wrong uh, in their finances, or put people under pressure uh, uh, for finances, and churches have, uh, I mean, I know, uh, I know a minister uh, that uh, uh, they're a traveling minister, and they said that <clears throat> uh, some of these pastors was, would say, hey, I've got a great deal for you. And I've got a great investment deal for you. And then steal their money and just walk away. And, and you know, this is a pastor stealing a traveling minister's money. And it just seems like there's something wrong with that. You know, I mean, maybe it's just me, but uh, how many different stories have we heard of, of things just like that, you know? And um, uh, I know uh, many years ago, there was a, it was a deacon from another church that we got to know over the years uh, when I was with my pastor. We'd visit their church when they'd have special services. And this deacon was kind of a financial uh, uh, manager of some kind. He, he uh, uh, worked with investments. And he'd call my pastor and say, I've got this great investment. We've got condominiums in Guadalajara or something, and uh, uh, they're going to explode. And you need to get down on the ground level, right? Uh, and so instead of just saying, well, I guess you know, uh, here's all my money, and, and uh, go do something, he'd call me and say, could you look into this? And, of course, you know, I wasn't in the ministry at the time, but... I, I did have a brain, and, and I did understand the words, and, you know, that was an area he knew nothing about. And I'd do some research, and I'd say, you know, Pastor, I said, if this was really, I mean, he's talking about like 25% return on your investment, which is just, you know, unheard of just about. Um, and um, I said, if this was really this good, why wouldn't everybody be investing in this, right? Why, why wouldn't this be on the 5 o'clock news every night? Amazing new investment opportunity. Come, come get your place. Uh, but he would call every every so often with that same, you know, hey, I got this other investment, you know, and he'd call me and I did, you know, at the end of it, I basically said the same thing every time. Well, if this was that great, you know, I mean, the old adage that if it's too good to be true, it probably is, uh, is not an unreasonable thing to, to hit pause on before, uh, before uh, you go spending all your money. And so 
Uh, but, there, uh, but, it, uh, but even from the pulpit side, you know, from the ministry side, the ministry has done a terrible job as a whole, not our ministry, not most ministries, but a lot of ministries do a terrible job as a whole in, in how they manage the monies and how they request funds from the people. Uh, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, Paul talks about it in different places that, you know, if I give you spiritual food, there's nothing wrong with, with you returning uh, a natural blessing back to me, you know, as, as a giving and receiving type of relationship, and that's fine. Uh, but when, when I uh, make you empty your bank account or start prophesying things about you or try to manipulate you emotionally or try to uh, demand from you things that, that I think that we deserve or anything like that, any kind of manipulation in any way whatsoever uh, is beyond the pale. It's, it's unacceptable to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and yet there, there has been so many, so many things like that in the body of Christ that it really, you know, the, the doctrine of prosperity is a valid and a true doctrine, right? The Lord desires uh, his people to prosper because we, uh, we had read in Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter 8 that says that he desires uh, for you to, to, who has given you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant on the earth. So uh, he, he desires to give us the ability, the power, the 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 strength to obtain wealth uh, so that he can establish his covenant on the earth. Uh, and if we leave it at that, then that's pretty fair, right? Then, then the Lord wants to establish his covenant on the earth. He's going to bring finances into people's hands for the primary purpose to do that. But along the way, you know, uh, it, uh, he also lets you keep some of that money, right? Uh, and it's kind of a, a, a 90-10 basic uh, uh, relationship that he has with his people that... Uh, uh, he desires a, a tithe from the people of their in, of their increase, right? Not just their income, but of their increase. And so, uh, really, the first fruits is what he talks about in the old covenant. Uh, and so, you know, if you have a business, then then it's really uh, the profit that you make from that. Uh, and so, uh, if you're working a regular job, then it's it's ten percent off the top. And Chris and I have always done it where it's ten percent off of uh, before anybody else gets their part, including the IRS, right? Uh, and everybody doesn't do it that way, and, and you find out whatever works for you, and you follow that. But, um, but the Lord's fine with that, and then he may ask for additional funds from you as, as he needs because the Bible talks about both tithes and offerings. Uh, and so, um, and all of those are valid uh, and correct doctrines. In, in plenty of scriptures, G Jesus said it himself, that if, that if you give with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give in your bosom. He said that in, in Luke six thirty eight. Uh, and, you know, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about the principle of sowing and reaping. And it's a valid spiritual principle that works in, in the natural realm and the spiritual realm. Uh, and, and that's perfectly fine. Amen. Uh, where the church has gotten in, out of balance is when everything com becomes about money. Uh, and so many ministries and churches, uh, I, I know even, even Brother Hagen, you know, it's not really, a, I'm not trying to disparage him or anything, but you know, he had the Rainbow Bible Training Center, right? A, a school of a couple thousand students at the time. I don't know what the, 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 the most students they had, but uh, quite a few students o over the years. And he set it up so that it was fairly inexpensive for the students to come. So he didn't charge them uh, the full amount of what it cost to, to provide services to them. So I don't know what the number was, but let's just say it cost $10,000 a year to, to teach one student. And he'd only charge him $5,000 a year for tuition. And uh, then he would go and raise the rest of the money from uh, traveling in, in the ministry. He, now, he would, he would never, he'd never put anybody under pressure. 
you know, he just said, you know, everything we receive tonight will go into the, uh, into the Bible school so that uh, we can keep the tuition low. So he never manipulated people, but he also uh, had to travel more probably than he, than he needed to because um, uh, if he wasn't traveling, he wasn't getting these large offerings. You know, you're talking $100,000 in one offering, you know, many times in, in some of those meetings. Uh, and so it, there was almost a need for him to travel. He would, prefer, he would prefer to stay at the school and teach all the time, but if he didn't, if he didn't travel, then he wouldn't be collecting these, uh, these big offerings. And, and I don't have a problem with him collecting big offerings. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he would graduate 2,000 students a year, and out of the 2,000 students, you know, probably 200, uh, 300, 400 would, would be pastors of churches, start churches or, or take over churches. Uh, and uh, many of those churches would never tie back to, to, to the ministry of Brother Hagin. And I always thought that was odd. And even my pastor, he graduated from the school in 1983. And I asked him one time, I said, do you tithe to, to Brother Hagin? Uh, and, uh, and he said, no. Now, he said send offerings, but he didn't send a tithe. So, you know, and I'm talking about tithe from the church, right? So, for example, for our church here, every, ever since we've been a church from the very beginning, we, we, whatever we receive from receiving offerings, we take 10% of that and we send it to a minister, right? To another ministry. And it's really somebody who uh, the Lord has put into our lives that has been a blessing. And, and so we, we gave 10% of our income to uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne um, until he went home to be with the Lord. And then, and then the Lord had us uh, switch that over to uh, Brother Randy in 2013. Uh, and, uh, and ever since then, we gave, we gave 10% of our income to Randall Greer Ministries. And that's actually, that concept is covered in the Old Testament. If you want to know about it, you can look it up in, in Numbers 18 where the Levites were supposed to take a tithe of their tithe. So they collected a tithe from the nation of Israel. 10% of all the, the, the uh, uh, first fruits that Israel brought in would be given to the tribe of Levi. We talked about that, how that they didn't have any land because they, they were supposed to be the ministers of the, the nation of Israel. Uh, and so the Lord didn't want them working. He wanted them doing the ministry of the Lord, teaching and, and doing all of the um, uh, preparation for sacrifices. And there was a lot of work to do and all that. Uh, and so, but the Lord said, now, now that you've received a tithe to provide you food and, and clothing and shelter, then, you, but you, before you spend the tithe that you've received from Israel, you take a tithe of that and you give it back to the Lord. So, so it seems to me that it's a, a reasonable principle for all ministries to tithe. Uh, now, do all ministries tithe? I don't know. I don't ask any ministries if they tithe, but it seems like a reasonable thing to do. And we've always done that. And we have always, as a church, we've always had all the funds we needed to do anything we needed to do. We've never been desperate for any, any money. And so I'm never any pressure when I receive an offering. Well, what if I don't get enough? That, that's, that's never a question, right, uh, to, uh, uh, in receiving an offering. Because the Lord said, if we, if we give, uh, then with good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over, so men give back to us. And that would go for a church as well as an individual. So, so uh, I thought it was odd that uh, a lot of churches that came out of Brother Hagin's ministry that he gave them the foundation to start a ministry and gave them the, the tools and the ability and the knowledge and the revelation to be able to start a ministry and to, to have a successful ministry, we're not tithing back to Brother Hagin. Uh, and and uh, if, if all the churches and all the ministries that had came out of him had tithed to, uh, to Brother Hagin, he probably wouldn't have had to travel a month and he could have spent more time just teaching and giving students more revelation of the things that the Lord had taught him over the 70 years that he was in a ministry. Now, you know, some of that's my opinion because, I'm, uh, you know, the Lord may have told that church to give their tithe to somebody else, and if, and if he did, that's fine. 
but it would be a, a reasonable biblical principle that, that the Lord would ask him to do that because when he talks about tithing in the book of Malachi, he says, bring your tithes into the storehouse. And I, and I believe that the storehouse is where you get your primary uh, uh, source of your uh, teaching that you get. And so if it's a ministry, you know, then it would have been Brother Hagen. If it's an individual, it should be your local church. Uh, well, ministry that went to Brother Hagen's church, for example. So if you went to another Bible school, it would not be unreasonable to uh, give tithes of your ministry to that Bible school if they're the ones who gave you the foundation and the ability to start that ministry. I know the Lord provides for us, and we're called of the Lord, of course, but, um, but we don't send our money to heaven, right? And we, there's no uh, rockets leaving. Uh, even Elon's not sending any rockets up to, uh, to heaven, right? So uh, we, we have to disperse our income here on the earth. So, uh, so Paul is talking about these things, uh, and, uh, and so uh, we, had, we, we got down to verse 11 here, and he says, not, uh, well, let's start in verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at that, at that last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also care, careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Uh, and so now you, can look at this, um, you can look at this in a couple different ways. Either you can uh, see it how, or uh, one, because one translator says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be uh, very self-sufficient. So you can either say that he, he is saying that he's not in need at all, uh, and so uh, going forward, then, then you know, I'm not trying to pressure you to do this, or you can say, uh, or you can look at it from the standpoint, and I think this is the more accurate, that I am in need, but I'm not under any pressure to, to make, for you to meet my need. Uh, because later on he says, but my God shall supply all your needs. So his, he know, he's recognizing that the church at Philippi is not his source. He may have need some things, right? He may need some, some uh, physical uh, things here, food or clothes or shelter or whatever that he needs to, uh, to spend uh, to purchase with the funds that they give to him, uh, but he, he's, he's not looking to them as his source. And that's where really the pressure uh, of ministers get under pressure is they look to all the people sitting in the, in the chairs as their source. And you've got to meet my need. And if you don't, if you don't meet my need, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in want. And how many crying preachers have we seen on TV just bawling and squalling, you know, begging people, if you don't give, you know, we're going to go under and uh, and, and uh, you know, the, the sad part about this is so many um, uh, people would be at home and they were already giving monthly incomes to these churches or ministries. Uh, and um, it was unlikely that they would have gone under. But the question is, uh, and, and something we started talking about earlier, was a lot of ministries set up their finances in such a way that it's a machine, that, that they, they've got their finances spread so thin uh, that uh, one little hiccup, then, then they're buried, right? They're, they're building, uh, the mortgage is too big, their salaries are too big, uh, where they spend their money is too much. I mean, just whatever they do uh, is too much. And I know even with my pastor many years ago, you know, that, that was, uh, it was, I mean, 2007 is when he passed. So I was on the church board for many years. I'd get fired for a while and get rehired back on the church board. It was never a paid position, but, you know, it was always drama, right? The drama ensued. Uh, but I got the over the years, I got to see the church finances quite a bit. And by the time we ended, but before he passed on the earth, and when I last time I saw it, they were bringing in over four hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, and so for a church that size, you know, that was pretty good, especially back then. But every year they'd spend every single penny. I mean, every penny every year. And it wasn't like they were doing big building programs. They didn't have a building program. You know, they would renovate or paint. You know, but. 
I mean, we've done a whole lot more renovation than they ever did there because everything was blue. The carpet was blue. The chairs were blue. The walls, even the walls were blue. And I asked the pastor, I said, Pastor, you know, God invented other colors. You know, there, there are a lot of other colors besides baby blue, right? Remember baby blue, right? It's like a cult. Everybody had to have baby blue or mauve colors of everything uh, back in the 80s and 90s. And, and he got stuck with that, right? And he couldn't move past that in his life there. But, um, and that's fine. I don't really care what color people paint things. So there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of uh, major building, right? Sometimes, you know, you're going to buy something to a building program. You may have saved up for that money over the years. And then if you look at the book, you, yeah, you spent more money in that year than you may be brought in because you've saved all the money, right? And so, and that's fine. And we actually did that one year. And somebody even made a point of that. Well, you spent more money than you brought in. Well, yeah, because we saved up for years to do this thing, do the project. And so... Um, we spent that money we saved, which means that, you know, we made in that year, we, we spent more money than we, than we, uh, than we brought in. Uh, and so, but they would spend every penny. I mean, I don't know where it went, but if there was a penny, they'd spend it. And so they never had any money saved up. You know, they bought some land and uh, they didn't pay a lot of money for the land. They bought 11 acres of land. <clears throat> and, um, and so the pastor called a board meeting, you know, and so I was in a board meeting and said, when can we start building? Uh, and uh, I said, well, you know, Pastor, it might be reasonable to pay off the land, pay off that debt before we incur the debt of a building, and so we want to have a, the land and the building as a debt. Now, that's just my opinion. I, you know, I mean, he could have said, no, I want to build anyway, and I'd been fine with it, and so he said, fine, uh, and he never built. He died, but <laughs> he built, built, because he showed me. He really showed me, right, uh, and I'm not mad at him, but, you know, I wasn't trying to dis- to dissuade him from doing anything, but you know, wisdom does play a role. Now, if the Lord said, thou shalt build today, well, then you build, right? If faith, if, if faith is there, that's fine, right? And, and I got no problem with faith, and, but you can't write faith checks, right? Because uh, the, the government frowns on faith checks. Uh, and so they never were able to build because they just spent all their money. And I don't, you know, do you know what they spent money on? I have no idea what they spent money on, right? Because it wasn't, uh, you know, we would, we would buy some stuff from the sound system, but uh, every now and then, you know, he was, we're, all you want to do is buy, buy stuff for the sound system. And, and I'm like, well, no. I said, but you said you want this sound. And to get that sound that you want, we have to do these things. Well, no, we're going to spend it. Well, then you can't have that sound. I mean, it's just, it's kind of one of those things, right? He, 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 he took me in his Lexus, uh, I think it was a, a GS400, closed the doors. And they got like 87 speakers in these cars, right? He closed the doors, he turned on the stereo and turned it up and said, uh, and it just sounded this amazing sound, right? Uh, and he said, why can't the sanctuary sound like that? I said, because, well, first of all, Lexus probably spent $10 million on acoustics to get the perfect sound in this car. And you have not spent $10,000 on the acoustics of the sanctuary. Uh, and so, and they have subwoofers. We don't have any subwoofers. They had special amplifiers. You don't have those special amplifiers. You know, they got uh, 100 speakers. You know, you got four. You got more speakers in your car than you do in the sanctuary. And so I wasn't, so I wasn't trying to be snarky with them, but, uh, you know, if you say, well, I want this, how, how do I get it? Well, you've got to spend money, right? I mean, there's, it's not magic. The sound system is not magic. It's just uh, that right there is not magic. It's just, uh, I mean, I can go into all the technology about how sound works, but it's just sound. It's pressure waves, right, uh, generated by electricity, magnets, and, and uh, cones there. Uh, and so if, we, if you want to have a, Saturday morning class on how sound systems work and speakers work. I, uh, well, I, I was going to say I'd be glad to do that. I'm not doing that, though. We'll let Jared do it. Uh, and so, 
So anyway, you know, he, he wanted all those things, and, and it's like, well, you've got to spend money to do that. Uh, and so we weren't, we weren't spending money on the sound system, so I really don't know where the money went, but, uh, you know, it's never, it's, never a good, it's never a good plan to spend every penny you have, uh, just from a, from a wisdom standpoint, because Paul said that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pressure you because I'm in need because I'm content. And so he was probably bringing enough money to sustain himself uh, physically, you know, even though he may not be able to do everything he wanted to do or go everywhere he wanted to go or buy everything he needed to buy, but he had enough to, to get by. Uh, and so he's not under pressure. And so anytime that you're spending your money in such a way that puts you under pressure, you need to, uh, wisdom would dictate, you need to check up on that, right? Because what would you do if the Lord said, I need you to give more money today than, than you did last week? You, know, you just do a special, you know, there's a special need. I want you to, I want you to be a part of that. Uh, what would you do if you'd already spent all your money? Well, you can't do anything about it, right? And so just, so just from a wisdom standpoint, it, it makes sense uh, to not, uh, uh, I, I don't believe in, in um, um, setting up what people call it a rainy day fund. That, that means when things go bad, you know, in your life, you have a backup plan. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with saving money, but you shouldn't save out of fear, right? You should save money because you're not spending money. Uh, and that's, if you're not spending all your money, then you're kind of saving money. Uh, and so, uh, again, you know, uh, the whole point of Paul is, is yeah, uh, I may be in need, but I'm not saying this because I'm in need. You know, I'm saying this uh, later on. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit. And, of course, people go, oh, yeah, sure, your benefit, right? Uh, uh, and um, uh, I imagine that Paul uh, would never put anybody under pressure to, to send him an offering, right? Uh, and so uh, it would be uh, in, improper to do that. And I remember in, in that, I told you that, uh, that conference that Brother Aiken had, some of the stories they said, they said that, that uh, they'd have a guest minister come in and he'd tack it like a white sheet up on the wall. And he said, I'm not leaving until that sheet is green. And it, they make people come up and, and, and uh, staple money to the sheet, right? Now, that's just, I mean, I, I can't imagine as a pastor, a guest minister we brought in, they said, hey, can I hang up a sheet? They're like, yeah, well, what are you going to hang up a sheet for? Well, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to take a special offering. It's like, no, and, and you need to leave right now because we don't, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just shearing the sheep, right? It's so, it's so distasteful to the Lord to gimmicks like that. And, you know, all the, all the gimmicks, you know, there was one guy back in, when Brother Hagen was talking about some of these stories, he'd say, one guy said, if you send me money, he said, I'll send you a red string. And if you need to lose weight, you, you tie this red string around your waist and you'll lose weight. Uh, and, and, but if you're too skinny and you need to gain weight, you tie that red string around your waist and you'll gain weight. Like, well, how does a string know? It's just a string, right? But it's an anointing string. There's no such thing as an anointing string, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, and then I hear people say all the time, like, uh, uh, we have a special anointing in this ministry to, to destroy debt, debt-destroying anointing. And if you give money to our ministry, that anointing will come and destroy your debt. Now, it doesn't make you want to write a check right now, right? It's just, you know, it, I have to watch it because my, my gag reflex starts kicking in about that time. You know, it's like, you know, uh, because it's so distasteful. There's no special, there's no special debt-destroying anointing. Uh, primarily, finances, almost without exception in the Word of God, is simply a, a, a giving and receiving, sowing and reaping uh, uh, situation with the Lord. There's no special anointing for offerings. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, too, one, one more thing. Now, this is really... Uh, and I hear people, I mean, even some of my friends will say this, right? Well, that ministry is good soil. 
So you need to sow your finances into that ministry and not to that ministry over there, right? That's, that's kind of what they're applying, right? Or they're at least saying, well, we don't know about that ministry, but we, don't, do, we do know that this ministry is good soil. But, but the problem with that mentality is that uh, you think that it's the, it's the destination that allows you to, to reap from what you've sowed. That if you sow into a good destination, that uh, then what, you, what you've sown into that good destination, that good soil, will allow you then to reap a great benefit. Well, that sounds kind of okay, except there's no Bible for that. No book, chapter, verse, because Jesus said, give and shall be given unto you. He didn't say give as long as it's good soil, then it'll be okay, right? Because it's not the, you know, I know they're, they're, they're kind of mixing metaphors up, right? Because the whole point of, of, of prosperity and the doctrine of prosperity is, again, it goes back to sowing and reaping. Uh, and the sowing is sowing by faith. It's not sowing by destination. And so if you sow, because Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. So uh, what's that mean? Well, you know, you know people that if you gave them $1,000, they'd be poor tomorrow. They're just, they're just they're that way, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you give them, it's like a money pit, right? But what if the Lord said to give them that money? What if the Lord said, you give that guy $100? Well, Lord, you know, he's just going to blow it. I know, but he's still hungry, right? And he'll eat, he'll spend $5 on a, on a cheeseburger and $95 on air, uh, and, and then he'll be broke tomorrow. But he needs, the, he needs that money, and so you give it to him. So if you gave it to him, well, is, that, is that good soil? Is that a good investment? Are you going to get that money back from that poor person? No, you never get that money back from a poor person. Uh, and so does that mean you should give? No, you, if you give by faith, the Lord will always, will always uh, allow you to reap from that giving because you gave by faith. And so what if a church is broke? And the Lord said, well, you give it to them. You give money to them. Well, if the Lord told you to give money to them, well, then... then um, uh, can't you expect to re- receive from the Lord? What if the, what if the ministry you're part of is, uh, is not really good with their finances? Does that mean you shouldn't, you shouldn't give uh, to that ministry? Well, if, if, you know, if everything else is good about the ministry, if the Lord's called you to that ministry, right, uh, uh, and, and everything's good maybe except for how they manage their funds, uh, is it still okay to give that, that ministry? Well, if you give by faith, it doesn't matter what they do with that ministry, with that money. What if they burn it? What if they take it in the backyard and bury it and, and pour gasoline on it and then burn it? Uh, well, if you gave by faith, you're still okay. Now, they may not be okay, but you're still okay. Uh, so all, you, all that's required of you when you give, you know, when you give a, because uh, people get this mixed up a lot of times too, they think that the mechanical action of putting that dollar in that bucket is what allows the Lord to give back to them. Right, given it shall be given unto you. So if I put a dollar in that bucket, then I'll get back. That's not true. It, it, it's the act of faith. When you take that dollar and say, Lord, this, uh, I'm asking you to, to multiply this uh, finances according to the need the ministry has, and I'm thanking that your word is so that if I give that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall be given to my bosom. I believe that your word works. It's faith in the word. It's not faith in my, in my action. It's faith in, my wor- in his word, and his word compels me to the action of giving. Uh, and so, because a lot of people just give and they, ne- they never apply faith to the giving. They just, you know, sometimes they give because they're good people and they're just generous people, uh, but they don't apply faith to that. So they never rece- really receive a, a response from the Lord for the giving. Uh, but you should always apply faith to your giving. If you give a dollar, you know, you apply faith to that dollar. Uh, and, and so, of course, around here, we, we don't make any push for any particular amount of money. Um, I do encourage you to do what the Word says about tithing, but, uh, uh, but again... What if you don't tithe? Are you going to be mad at me? I'm not going to be mad at you. I don't, you know, because it doesn't hurt me. 
Because, uh, again, my, my source is not the people sitting in the chairs. My source is the Lord. And, and, if, and if for whatever reason, now you all, uh, you know, around here, we, we always do well because you all are, are good and faithful givers. But if you all decide to be cranky tomorrow and not give anything for a month, the Lord will provide somehow, right? And you all don't be cranky, okay? Uh, and so uh, uh, you, if, if, if both sides, if both the givers and the receivers are operating by faith, then nobody's under pressure. I'm not under pressure to, to get money from you and you're not under pressure you know, to not give or to, to uh, be desperate to, to, uh, to hope that the Lord is like, like the lottery, right? Uh, and so Paul is saying, look, you know, I do have a need, uh, but I'm fine, right? I mean, you know, I'm not going not to say I don't have a need. Uh, uh, and so you, I think you can look at it both ways in that, and I think both ways looking at it is, is actually perfectly fine. Uh, and so, uh, but he said, uh, he said that... Uh, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And we talked about how content means to be independent of external circumstances. Uh, and so, and that's, that's really how you need to be with your finances, right? That the economy is not what, what uh, defines your income level, right? Uh, and so um, I know when, when um, uh, we had started the church in 2008, I was still working as an engineer at that point in time. And, um, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, if you want me to work as an engineer the rest of my life, I'll do it, right? That's called the prayer of consecration dedication, uh, that, Lord, in the path that I'm on, I will stay on that path without changing it until you tell me to change it. Uh, and, and that's always a good prayer to pray because a lot of times people will be on a path and, and a, an event occurs, something happens, and they get off that path. Well, I don't want to be there. I, I'm going to leave the church. But you were fine five seconds ago, right? Uh, and so why'd you leave the church? Well, you know, whatever. Uh, well, you know, that, there's no consecration at all in, in a lot of uh, Christians' life, right? They, will, they just here today, gone tomorrow, in church, out of church, in a job, out of a job, in, in a marriage, out of a marriage, you know. And, and I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but, you know, your life events. I'm just saying that some people are just flaky, right? They're just, uh, and because they are, are not independent of external circumstances. Whatever the circumstances are, that's the direction they go. Uh, and we need to be independent of, of external circumstances. So I told the Lord, uh, I said, Lord, if you want me to, to do this job the rest of my life, I'll do it. And I go into work every day. Uh, well, I don't mind every day, but, but on a very regular basis, I'd park far, as far as I could, you know, back corner of the parking lot, not just because I had a, a brand new Mustang, but because um, you know, I wanted to walk and, and spend some time with the Lord. And, I tell, and I, as I walk in the building, Lord, if you want me to come back to this building every day, the rest of my life, I'll do that. And then that way, you know, if, if I didn't like my boss, I didn't quit. If I didn't like the work I was doing, I didn't quit. I just stayed the course, you know, and if the Lord says to leave, then, then fine, right? Uh, and that, that way you remove, you remove all the pressure of external circumstances. Because a lot of ministers, uh, they move too quickly. They, they may start a ministry they might be working, and they just quit. And, and that's fine. If the Lord says, you quit, and he told my pastor that. He said, you need to quit your job. Uh, uh, if you're going to pastor, then quit your job and, and be a pastor full-time. Uh, well, the Lord didn't tell me that, and so I didn't change. I didn't change course. You know, I was working full-time and pastoring full-time. Uh, and so about, about a year and a half after we started the church, I went into work one day, and the Lord said, it's time to turn your notice in. So I went home, wrote, wrote my... Uh, resignation letter up, showed it to Chris, and she said, uh, uh, no problem, let's do it, you know, because uh, we've always been in agreement of the things we did. If she said, I don't know about that, I had to go back and pray and talk to the Lord some more, because the, 
you know, we're in this together. And, and so if the Lord told me, but he didn't tell her or he didn't, didn't, it didn't bear witness with her, then to me that's a problem because it should bear witness to her whatever things are going to affect her life. So me, you know, I was making over $100,000 a year at that point in time. Uh, and so the Lord said, you walk away. Well, like, well, Lord, I mean, if I walked away, like in a couple months, I'd get this big bonus, you know, and then I could walk away, you know. Can't you know, don't you know anything, Lord? Uh, but also, that was in September of 2009. Well, you remember what occurred in 2008 was the great, uh, uh, the great economic downturn, right? They called it the Great Recession, uh, when all the, all the uh, Lehman Brothers and all those folks went, uh, went under and ha- had mass uh, confusion in, in the real estate uh, industry, which affected everything else in the whole world, it seemed like. Uh, didn't the Lord know that? He knew that. Uh, was it a concern to him? Was it a concern to him? So not a concern to him. Can't be a concern to me. Uh, and so we did. We turned our, our uh, I just turned my notice in and we worked out, you know, usually it's two-week notice, but I think I gave him like three weeks or something. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, uh, and then we, we sat down, we had a family meeting. I think it's only the family, only, only family, we may have had one or two but it was one of the rare family meetings we had. We sat up and said, the Lord said it's time to leave uh, my job, which just means, you know, you're going to go from $100,000 a year to zero. Uh, well, you know, of course, Chris is working at that time too, but uh, that could affect your, what's it, you were working part-time at that time, right? Uh, and so uh, that would affect our finances. But, it, that, you know, and we've learned this over the years, so if the Lord tells us to do something, we just do it. Because you remember he told Abraham, he said, uh, leave your father's house and go where I tell you to. And it wasn't until Abraham started moving that the Lord actually told him where. You know, sometimes we, we want and demand of the Lord that you tell me everything I need to know till the end of time before I move. Well, that's not faith. Faith is you take a step and I'll, I'll get back with you what the second step is going to look like. Uh, and, but you've got to make sure that that first step is of faith, right? That it's really the Lord instructing you to do that and not just, well, I just want to do it anyway. You know, the Lord's not required to, to uh, have your back if you go out and do foolish things all the time. There is mercy, I know that, and we appreciate the Lord and his mercy. But it's always best before you move that you know that it's the will of God to move and do something. Uh, and, so, and so we did. You know, we, we, left, we left that job there. Uh, and then uh, right after that, I think your boss called you and said, uh, you didn't call them. They called you and said, hey, you, what do you think about coming back full time? About that time, the kids were in school, and so Chris being full time... Uh, she worked part-time how many years? Like 100 years, something like that, 15 years, right? So the kids were, you know, all uh, nearly, uh, uh, they weren't driving age. Uh, Jared was still younger, but he was in school full-time five days a week. Uh, and so before that, she was working just school hours, and, and it worked out fine. Uh, and so it was a real blessing to our family for her to be there with the kids all the time. Uh, and, but then once they were in school full-time, then it was no problem for her to work full-time. And so, but uh, that came after the fact, after we made a decision, she didn't pursue anybody, she didn't ask anybody, they just uh, were, called her up and asked her about that. And then, you know, there, there were some other things that went on on my side uh, of doing some part-time work that uh, gave me the flexibility to be at the church uh, as much as I needed to be there. Uh, and so, uh, but the whole point is, is we, we've never been afraid of doing things when the Lord tells us to do things. Uh, because it's not about it's not about money, right? It's not about uh, how much income we have. And so there would be times, you know, different years, uh, Chris would be making more money than I'd be making because I, w- you know, I wasn't working and she was working. Uh, many years I was working full time and she was working part time. 
But even some of the people in a church would, doesn't it bother you that your wife's making more money than you? What scenario would that, would that bother me, right? That's perfectly fine, right? And be okay with somebody else making more money than you but putting it in the same bank account? Um, and so, but they would say things like that because uh, they were trying to put a, a division between me and Chris. And, um, you know, for Chris and I, everybody can't do this, but we've always had one bank account. We've not had separate bank accounts. And we don't have my bill and her bill. Everything is our bill, right? And we, we, it's, uh, uh, the Lord said that we're one flesh, and so if we're one flesh, uh, then, then we have uh, one set of income. So we've never fought about money. We've not ever had any, any arguments about money at all in, in the 33 years of marriage. And, uh, and, so, and we never will, right? And so uh, if we, if we want to give, uh, anytime we wanted to give, one of us wanted to give more, there's never a uh, concern in that in our hearts uh, between each other. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul, Paul said that, uh, uh, yeah, there may be a need, but I am independent of external circumstances. So when I left, my, my, my following the will of God was independent of the fact that there was a great recession going on. And that was the whole point of that, that story there was that uh, if the Lord says to go, then you go, right? If the Lord says to give, then you give. If the Lord says you do this, then you do that. The external circumstances are really irrelevant if you're walking by faith. Again, you've you got to follow your faith. You can't follow my faith. You've got to follow your faith. If you're, if, you, if you're not sure you could do that, then I don't know that the Lord would ask you to do that. Right? He wouldn't tell you to go and do something that, that uh, you hadn't been preparing for by faith uh, up to that point in time. Uh, and so, so uh, uh, he said, at the end of that, he says, uh, whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And, and then I want to read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, because it, it's a good, uh, it's a good uh, uh, set of scriptures here. We talked about this a little bit too, but um, we didn't get through all of it. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So uh, two things there. Godliness, right, uh, is, is of great gain. Uh, and he said um, over in chapter 4 of the same book there, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of life that now is and, of, and that which is to come. So the key there is godliness, right? Being God-like. Well, what is God like? Well, God is a God of faith, first of all, right? Uh, God, he's full of kindness. He's full of love, full of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, and so uh, it is good and valuable to be God-like. Uh, but uh, Paul said, now he said over in chapter 4 that godliness is profitable, but he said godliness uh, empowered with contentment is great gain. So... Uh, you know, it's, your goal should be to be as much like God as you can and be satisfied uh, in your life. Now, uh, and we're going to talk about it because as he goes through these things, well, what's wrong with desiring uh, to increase, right? Is there anything wrong with desiring for a pay raise or wrong with desiring for having uh, just uh, more income, right? Is there anything wrong with that? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, but we'll find out where the constraint is in the Word of God. And so we, need, we should follow the Word of God. Because people get themselves into trouble. They get all kinds of weird doctrine, either way over here that I don't want any, any of the worldly goods, right? Foolishness like that. And, and prosperity is not God, you know, uh, the prosperity gospel is, is of the devil. It's like, well, you don't believe that for your personal finances, right? Um, when, when raise time comes around and you get a 1% raise or 0% raise, are you happy? Oh, yeah, I'm perfectly happy. I don't believe that at all, you know, especially if the guy next to you got a 10% raise, right? Uh, then I just, I can't believe 
uh, that anybody is okay. Now, maybe there is one out of a million, right? Uh, there could be. Uh, but, you know, uh, if that's the case, why are you working at all, right? Or aren't you working at the, at the hamburger joint? Uh, why are you trying to get, uh, I mean, I this one guy was, was telling me that prosperity's wrong. Uh, you know, so people will compartmentalize things, right? And so and what I mean by that is they'll say over here, oh, yeah, that prosperity gospel is wrong. And they'll forget that they said that. Then, then you talk to them the next day and they'll say, you know, uh, I, I just hear that uh, if you get in these, uh, uh, they were talking specifically about uh, electrical work. Uh, and, you know, when storms come and they knock out electrical power, and if you can get, if you can be trained in that and you go down to where the storms are, they'll pay you like $80 an hour to, to fix all these storms, and sometimes more than that, right? Uh, and and you know, wouldn't it be great to make $80 an hour? Now, that's the same guy that just over here said that prosperity gospel is of the devil. But over here, you're thinking it's okay to leave your family and your small kids for weeks or months at a time to go make $80 an hour, but prosperity is wrong. But, then it, but it, why is that okay to do this if that over there is wrong, right? Why are you doing that for prosperity, right? Because it's $80 an hour. And so oftentimes, people that, that say that prosperity is wrong they're not consistent in their doctrine, right? They're not consistent from day to day. Over here, oh, yeah, it's wrong. If you're preaching, that's wrong. But if you're, if you're making your wife suffer to manage the whole household and the kids all by herself so you can go make some money, well, that's okay. But prosperity, supernatural prosperity from the Lord by just the normal, giving, the normal faith of giving and receiving is wrong, but you making your family suffer is okay. Well, well, that, you know, how does that make any sense? Does that make any sense? Anybody, you know... Yeah, I raised my hand to ask a question, but, you know, he didn't call on me, so. Uh, but, and I hear people stu- do things like that all the time, right? Their, their life, their, their doctrine over here is completely incompatible with the actions that they are doing in their life. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, your doctrine should be, if you're living by what your doctrine is, then it should be consistent. So if, if prosperity is good, well, then, yeah, they're, they're, I just got a big raise. Well, then that's, you, that's, that's consistent, right? Uh, and so... So uh, he said, godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness by itself is profitable, but if you want great gain, you learn how to be content. So, and he tells us how to be content. He said, well, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Uh, and you know, uh, the, the question they ask at the rich guy's funeral, right? They say, well, how much did he leave? It's everything, right? You know, because he didn't take it. It says right there, he, he can't take it out. All right? I mean, we brought nothing in the world, can't take it. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. So he left everything, right? Uh, and so, is it, and having food and raiment uh, or clothes, let us therewith be content. Uh, and that's a slightly different word, uh, content, from what Paul said in Philippians. This word means to be possessed with unfailing strength. In other words, you're, you're immovable, right? Uh, so the, the situation, your financial situations don't move you. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many times. Uh, you know, if you come to me and you've got financial difficulty, uh, first thing I'm going to ask you, uh, because it's, uh, do you tithe? Right? Do you give to the Lord? Do you specifically tithe on a regular basis? Do you give of your, of your first fruits to the Lord on a regular basis? Because that's the foundation of, of biblical prosperity is in your giving, right? Now, again, it's not for me to make you do that. It's for you to do that, right? So I don't, I don't check anybody's roles. I never called anybody and said, hey, now, some churches will do that. At the beginning of the year, you give a, you, you give a vow, right? You vow how much you're going to give. And you get a phone call. Uh, notice you're slipping up a little bit, you know? I mean, they'll do that. And so, really? That's amazing, right? I'm not going to do that, right? I'm, I don't want your vow uh, because we live by faith, amen? 
not by your pastor badging you to give. And so, but I am going to ask you, because if you've if you got difficulties in your finances, I'm going to ask you, uh, well, then, then uh, uh, do you want out of that? And if you do, well, here's how to get out of that. Well, first of all, are you tithing? And, I, and every single one, without exception, I can't afford to tithe. And yet all of the financial prosperity in the Lord comes after your, your faithful giving, right? You're giving by faith. It doesn't come without you giving, all right? It, it has to come by, uh, by your faithful giving, right? Uh, and so uh, uh, we've got to see, let me see if I, I may have to come back and look at that. Uh, um, yeah, let's, yeah, it's, it's somewhere else. I'll have to find it there. Uh, so he said, having food raiment there would be content. So you're possessed with unfailing strength uh, because you are independent of your circumstances. So, so, that, so that's good to have. So, so basically, you know, contentment is, you know, you're good. If, you, if the Lord blesses you and you get, uh, you know, you win the lottery, you know, you're just exactly the same, right? Some people win the lottery and they just go crazy. You, know, you see all these TV shows, right? And they'll tell you five years after they won the lottery, worst thing ever happened to me. Uh, and all their, uh, you know, they, they win a million dollars, everybody's calling them. Uh, you know, if I won the lottery, uh, of course, you have to play the lottery to actually win the lottery, right? So it makes it a little tough to, to win the lottery. But if I win a lottery, you know, I just know. Well, you know, well, they keep calling you. I don't care. I just block them or, you know, it wouldn't bother me a bit to say no to a million people because uh, they, they weren't calling me yesterday. If you're not calling me yesterday, don't call me today. Uh, and so I'm not trying to win the lottery. But, you know, some people do believe that the Lord is a lottery. They give and they give and they give and they never see a return and they expect one time, one day, the Lord's going to back up a dump truck to your house and just un- unload it into your house. You know, it, it, there's just no principle in the Word of God for that. Right? What we see in, in the Word of God is you give and He gives back unto you. You give and He gives back unto you. And the implication is, it's because he, when you talk about the tithe, you know, the only way you can pay a tithe is to do that faithfully, right? Because when you get an income and you get an, an increase of first fruits into your life, then you return that 10% of that to the Lord. And then the next time you get an income, you return that to the Lord. So if you're getting an income every two weeks and you're giving a tithe every two weeks, well, then that's faithful giving, right? And so over time, what you find is, is as you're faithful to give, then you see that your finances are always stable, always stable, right? And yeah, the things get tight, things get loose, you know, th- uh, but overall, uh, the, Lord, the Lord watches over you in your finances. Uh, and that's where people have a hard time is the faithfulness of it, right? Because tithing implies faithfulness because tithing would be every time that you have an income, right? And so uh, a lot of people they don't want to be faithful to give sporadically right and again this is not to put anybody in a pressure at all i'm not trying to put because i don't uh, i don't i don't track any of that stuff right i mean i do know uh the income of the church and things like that but i don't care if you don't give for six months or you're not going to get a call from me and you're not going to get anything but but kindness from me because i'm not your god Uh, amen and so but People oftentimes will be sporadic in their giving and they won't see a return from the Lord. It was because, uh, are you faithful to, to do what the Lord said to do? Uh, and so uh, that's, that's where you can be content. I'm content to give. And, and I am. I'm content to give. Uh, what if it's tight? I, the Lord gets his 10% before I, before I get to do anything else with my money, uh, with the other 90%. Uh, and we've always lived that way. We've never not tithed, right? As long as we've been married, We've never not, and look, when I, when I was getting a social security check when I was in, in uh, high school, 
because I, I went to church one time and they said, you should tithe. I'm like, okay. I just started tithing. And nobody told me that, that what was hard to do. I've been tithing on Social Security checks, and, and, uh, which ended when I turned 18. But I was tithing when I was a teenager uh, and, uh, and always have given. And, and I've never been without a dollar that I needed. Never. And supernatural uh, income uh, many times from the Lord uh, would just come out of nowhere when I needed it. Uh, and, and so I, and I was always, so if I needed money, uh, you know, one time I needed some money when I was in school and, you know, when I needed money when I was in school, I needed, you know, I needed, uh, uh, like $40 one time, right? I probably got $40 and change in, in my little bucket. I just throw my pocket change in nowadays, but you know, $40 when you're in school was a lot of money for me back then. Uh, and I had no parents to, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I, nobody I could call, right? I couldn't call anybody and get $40. And so, so I said, Lord, you know, I've been a good tither. I would tithe off, off my uh, Pell Grant checks and things. And, uh, and so uh, I said, Lord, you know, I'm a faithful tither and giver, but I'm short $40. Okay. And the phone rings, not, not that second, but with, within days of me praying that prayer, a phone call said, hey, I heard that you do, uh, that you're a pretty good artist. And I'm, well, you know, I mean, I'd do some artwork, you know, I wouldn't get them. I said, well, I'm, I'm working on a, on a, on a, um, uh, my senior project as an education student, and I need, I'm going to write a children's book. I need somebody to, to uh, do the artwork in the children's book. Uh, how much do you charge? And I said, $40. And I thought, there's no way. I said, oh, yeah, they'll do it. I thought, man, you must be rich. Just you whip out $40 like it's nothing, right? Just, they whipped it out, you know, here's 40 bucks, you know, and I drew all these pictures for them in their children's book, and, you know, I think they were satisfied with it. Uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I tried to get out of it. Like, I'm not the best artist, you know, I'm not an art major. I'm an engineering major, right? That's my major. But I can do a little bit of artwork, and so, uh, and so they were, no problem. 40 bucks, you know, uh, and, um, uh, and so, and there was other times just like that that uh, I would pray and the Lord would provide. Uh, and so, uh, but I didn't go around and, and I just prayed to the Lord, right? I was content. And, that, and so, uh, then he talks in verse 9, but they that will be rich, uh, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And, th- and this verse 9 is really the key where a lot of people say that it's wrong to desire uh, a large income. Uh, and the issue is the, the primary goal here is to just be rich. Right? Well, what, that, what, that, what does that mean? It just means, means be rich, right? Uh, and so uh, is that your goal is to just a, acquire a large income. You know, see that, that's, and that's, and Paul said that's a problem, and it is a problem, but it can't be a problem that if you desire to, to be diligent and be faithful to your job and to expect uh, an increase uh, in, in, you know, receiving as you're giving into your job, it can't be a, hardly a problem to do that. It, it's the goal of, I just want to be rich, and some people just want to be rich just to be rich, uh, and, and it's not about, I want to I want to increase my income so I can bless my kids more, so I can bless my wife more, so I can, you know, uh, so maybe we can go on vacation or, or maybe we can do this or do that or we give to the Lord more. Uh, it, it's just, I just want to be rich. That, I want to be that class of person, right? Uh, and that is a problem. Uh, it is a problem. Uh, and, and, and we know people that are like that, right? Uh, there was a friend of mine. We were in church for many years together. And if you talk to this person more than, more than three minutes, the subject of money would come up. Hey, you know, that guy over there, he's got that job, and it's some kind of, a, you know, like a FedEx route or something like that. And, and you know, man, I could have got that route, and, and I would have all this extra income right now. 
And the next day, it'd be like, hey, did you see that guy over there? He bought that business, and now he's making all kinds of money like this and, and doing that. You know, I could have done that same thing. And the next day, well, you know, that guy over there, you know, he just came to the church, and, and I heard he's really wealthy, and, you know, he did it this way and that way. Man, I could have done that too. Well, see, it was only about the rich. It was only about being rich. It wasn't about, you know, you love your passion about this thing, or you were like doing this thing. Uh, you know, you want to... Uh, it, it's not about... Um, you know, wanting to expand and increase, it's just about being rich, being that class of person, right? Uh, and that's the issue. Uh, and a lot of people, that's the only goal is, I just want to be rich. Well, what does that mean? Uh, you know, every poor person in America, everybody that's at the, at the uh, government uh, poverty level, if you took that same income and went to the third world country, you'd be rich. Uh, you know, because people over there, they live on a dollar a day, sometimes a, a dollar a week. That's their income, a dollar a day or a dollar a week, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and you're getting, you know, $1,000 from the government every month. And be, well, you're poverty. Well, you wouldn't be over there. You know, you can make it over there pretty good. $1,000 a month, you'd be rich. Uh, and so, you know, really they want to be just ahead of the guy next to them. Uh, and so, so, you know, you've got to find that balance in your life where, well, Lord, I don't want, I don't want to increase. But, but everything in the Word of God, when it comes to faith, talks about increase naturally and, and spiritually, Right. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this, and then we've got to go, I think. But uh, turn over to, to uh, Mark chapter 10. You know, the, the, the key to the scriptures is you have to reconcile the whole word of God. You can't put, pick a verse out like verse 9 and say, well, then you should never want to have more money than you've got. I mean, well, a dollar more? Is, isn't a dollar more okay? Well, yeah, that's okay. Well, how about $2? Well, no. Two dollars is okay. Well, three dollars, and you're stretching it, right? Now, four dollars, no way. You can't do four dollars. You know, then you'd be rich, right? Well, what's the number? I mean, is there a number? It's not the it, the issue is not the number. The issue is I want to be that class of person, right? I want to I want to be able to drive a Bentley to prove to everybody how spiritual I am. Uh, and so, in in Mark chapter ten, of course, we know this the story. This is the the uh, um, uh, rich young ruler here. Uh, and, um, uh, and Jesus, uh, he, this rich young ruler, you know, Jesus uh, was, uh, was having a conversation with him. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he said to him, uh, well, uh, he said, how do I turn, how to obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, um, follow the Ten Commandments. And he answered him, verse 20, uh, said, the Master, I, all these have I observed from my youth. So the guy was saying, look, you know, I have followed the word all, since I was a youth. Now, he was, he was called a rich young ruler, right? He, he was, uh, um, uh, had a lot, of, a lot of wealth. And it says in verse 20, 21, Jesus beholding him loved him. So was Jesus mad at him because he said that, that he'd kept all these from his youth? No, because I think he was sincere. I think he'd been following the Lord since he was a youth. And he was sincere in that. And, and, and somehow he, he had also obtained all this income. And, and Jesus had uh, looked at him, uh, one thing you lack, go thy way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Uh, or the footnote of my Bible says, he was rich. Now, was, was there an inherent problem with him being wealthy? No, the, the problem here, because, again, you can't pull things out of context, right? So we're going to look at the whole context of this, 
And then you got to figure out how to reconcile that with, with 1 Timothy chapter 6, because otherwise you've got two separate doctrines that don't line up. And so you have to line everything up uh, in the Word of God or it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so, first of all, did Jesus say, sell everything that you have and give everything that you have to the poor? doesn't say that, right? He says, sell what you have and give to the poor. So he didn't have to give everything to the poor, but he had to sell what he had and gave to the poor. Why? Well, apparently in this case, uh, in fact, he says right there, uh, in verse 23, Jesus looked around about and said to the disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? So he didn't say it was impossible. He said it's difficult that they who have uh, riches uh, that it's difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because if your goal is to be rich and to be that person, to have that, that, that class and that position in society, then, then that's your goal. It's not about the Lord. It's not about you know, being able to be a blessing to those around you or to your family or to you know, enjoy life or whatever. It's, you just want to be that class of person. And Jesus said, when, when, when you're that way, he said, it's really hard for you to follow the Lord. Uh, and you ever known people that way, you know, very rich people that they're too good to go to church, right? Very rich people that are too good to, uh, to hang out with the riffraff of, you know, of the lowly church. You know, they want to go in the high society. And I remember this one guy on TV was talking about places like Tennessee. Uh, and um, uh, they said, uh, uh, they said they're, not, they're not envious of us. Uh, uh, he said they want to be us. Uh, and um, uh, and so, you know, I'm thinking, there ain't nothing you've got that I would want, right? Because he said, we've got all the best shopping up here in New York. We've got all the best restaurants up here in New York. Uh, I said, I bet, and I'm thinking, well, I've got a pretty good Bojangles right down the road. Have you ever had one of their chicken biscuits? They're pretty good, you know? Uh, and they would be like, oh, I can't believe you eat chicken biscuits from Bojangles, you know, because they're too snooty for that, right? Even though they can get the exact same chicken biscuit except pay $100 for their chicken biscuit, right? Their, their fancy chicken biscuit. Uh, and look, I got no problem spending money on, on food or anything like that, but a good, a good uh, Chick-fil-A biscuit's hard to beat, right? Uh, and so, so, so Jesus said, it's not impossible, but if you get to a point where, where you live for your riches, then you place that above God. And a lot of people think they are God, you know, especially the, they become a billionaire. I mean, they really think they're God-like, right? In the sense of, I can make all these, uh, I'm so effective and I can, I can move the world. You're not moving nothing, right? You die, what are you going to leave? Everything. Uh, and so, uh, so, so Jesus said, you know, it can be difficult. If your goal is to be rich, right, not just I want to increase, I want to prosper, I want to be able to give more to the Lord, I just want to be that class of person, I want to be that individual, then, then you will have a hard time coming to church. Uh, and so, you know, if you're rich and come to church because you just love the Lord, and, and, you know, I know a lot of rich people, you would never know they're rich, right, because they're just regular people. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of uh, people that I know that are very wealthy, just regular people. Uh, and, um, and that's really what all the Lord should be, is that your riches don't change you at all. And so these riches were a hindrance to this man because he was thinking, if I do these things, the Lord will approve. So the Lord's like, yeah, but I want your heart. And the man was unwilling to give his heart to the Lord, right? And so can you be a rich person and you give your heart to the Lord? Absolutely, because Jesus said it was not impossible he said, in fact, it is possible. He said, but, but you have to be careful. You've got to guard yourself, right? Now, I think it's easier for Christians that, that grow up uh, as, as a regular person, not in poverty, but just a regular person, and then obtain, uh, and as a good Christian, then obtain increase than it is the other way around. But uh, uh, both cases can be difficult, right? I mean, I, I know some rich people 
uh, some regular people that become rich and suddenly they're too good to go to church, right? Uh, or they'll say things like, oh, I can't tithe to that church. There's too much money for that church. I mean, you know, then, uh, it, it, then it's like, well, didn't you become rich because of the faith that church taught you, right? Uh, and so anyway, it's just, uh, so of course the disciples were, were just astonished about that. And, and Jesus said a lot of things, but I, I want to get down here, down to verse 28. And then Peter began to say to him, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. So Jesus was saying, you know, it's nearly impossible for these rich people to, to, to get into heaven. Uh, and he said, um, uh, Peter said, well, Lord, we've given up everything. And so he's kind of like, well, don't we get something for giving up everything? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you that there is no man that had left houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers and wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake. But he shall receive a hundredfold when? Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions in a world to come, eternal life. Now, I, I have read this story so many times, but about a year or two, I was reading, uh, a year or two ago, I was reading this, and, and the Lord just uh, said, uh, who was I just talking to before Peter? Well, he was talking to the rich young ruler. And so Jesus said, uh, there's no man. Well, wouldn't the rich young ruler be included in the no man? Has given up anything, uh, houses or brethren, sisters, fathers, mothers, wives, or lands, right? Well, lands is what you, if you were a rich person, that's what you owned a lot back then was lands. If you gave it up for my sake and the gospel's sake, well, what did the Lord ask the rich young ruler to do? Give up your things for the gospel's sake. And what did Jesus say would have happened to that man if he had done that? He shall receive a hundredfold when? Now and this time. Houses and brethren and sisters, mothers, fathers, children, uh, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions, of course, and in the world to come, eternal life. So Jesus wasn't trying to take anything from the rich young ruler. He was trying to put the rich young ruler in a, a position to first have his heart to the Lord, and the Lord would restore everything that he just gave away and sold a hundredfold. Now, isn't that what he said, right? And that's exactly what he said. He said, no man that has given up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake. Now, he just told the rich young ruler, I need you to give away or sell, right, and give away to the poor these things for my sake and the gospel's sake. And, and what he was doing, he's setting the rich young ruler up. Why? Because if he's a rich young ruler, he already knows how to manage finances, right? He knows how to invest. He knows how to uh, be a manager, a supervisor of his funds. He knows how to, how to deal with them wisely. He knows all that naturally, and so he's got the experience to handle it. And Jesus was saying, look, you're the right guy. You're the guy I'm looking for. You're the guy that if you'll, if you'll give your heart to the Lord, and so you've got to reset because your heart's not really been to the Lord, but if you'll reset right now, get rid of everything you've got, he's, I'll, I'll, I'll increase you a hundredfold if you'll do this. Now, of course, he didn't tell him that because that's not faith, right? The Lord, we get to know that, but, but, it, but he was trying to see if the man was willing to walk by faith, and the man was unwilling to walk by faith. But if man had been willing to walk by faith, he'd have been restored a hundredfold everything he just gave uh, because that's what the Lord was doing. So now how do you reconcile that with... Now, see, if he was already rich and the Lord restored him a hundredfold, then that means him, makes him richer right? Is that a word, richer right? Uh, uh, and so he would have made him more rich. Uh, if, you're, if you're rich and the Lord makes you a hundredfold of what you got, then what's that make you? A hundredfold rich. Isn't that right? Isn't that what it says? Now, isn't that what the Lord said? Isn't that the deal the Lord gave? That if you give up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, what did he tell the, the rich young ruler to do? Give the stuff away for my sake and the gospel's sake. Right? And then you'll have eternal... Because he said, how do I get eternal life? That's what he... He specifically asked the Lord, how do I obtain eternal life? And the Lord said, if you, if you do this, he said, now in this time I'll restore a hundredfold. Uh, now, 
and in, in the future you'll get eternal life when you, when you arrive in heaven. But that was the deal. So now you can't, you, you can't say that the Lord doesn't want to prosper you because that's the deal he made the rich young ruler. And everybody talks about the rich young ruler, but they forget the, the end of the, the story. The end of the story is, is the kicker, right? The end of the story is the whole point of where's your heart? Is your heart with the riches? With, with I'm rich. If that's your heart, I'm rich. That's your primary goal in life. I'm rich. Then you're, the wrong, you're, you're in the wrong place. But if, it, Lord, I, I want you more than anything. The Lord said, bring up the dump truck, and we've got it. This, this is the right guy right here. Because the Lord needs these kinds of people uh, that know how to do this stuff, right? You know, everybody's not that way. Some people are going to be nine to five people all their life. And, that's, and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing, there's nothing uh, wrong with it. There's nothing you know, uh, unspiritual about it. But the Lord needs to have special people. And, and, and um, I know we've got to go uh, over in Romans, chapter, in Romans chapter 12, and then we really will go here at that. Uh, we're just kind of going down this rabbit path right here, right? Uh, in Romans chapter 12, uh, he said um, in uh, verse 5, So we then, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members of one another, having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us. So then he, then he starts talking about the gifts that are given to people, right? And these gifts are spiritual, supernatural gifts. Where gifts there is charisma. So this is a gift uh, that is a supernatural gift that the Lord gives to certain people to do these certain things. And he says, so one of them is uh, whether to prophesy. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So there are certain people who have the gift to speak by sudden inspiration. You ever notice, you ever know people just have the ability to speak? Uh, just, it's just natural, right? Just uh, uh, they walk in the room and they can just work the room, right? It's just they just they have that gift, right? Uh, and, and yeah, my point of my wife, she's that way, right? Uh, and and, um, uh, and that's a gift. I, I see. I recognize that as a, I'm not that way. I can walk in a room and not talk to anybody. I can go right to the corner, sit down. I'd be happy. I ain't talking to nobody. What do I got to say? You know, nobody wants to hear from me. Uh, you know. And of course, Chris is like, well, I just want to be nice to him. You know, it's, you know, that's her gift, right? Not my gift. Uh, and, and I have to work at it, right? Uh, and um, because I care about people, right? And so then it, and that's what motivates me to go talk to people because I care about them. Uh, and so uh, he said, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or ministering according to the proportion of faith, or he that teaches on teaching, right? Now I do have a teaching gift. Uh, and, and so there is, a, there is an anointing, there is, a, there is faith that I have to uh, extend to be a teacher. Uh, and so it can't just be dry, you know, book, chapter, verse about uh, uh, endless genealogies and uh, exegesis of everything. It's just, uh, uh, there's a gift there. Or he that exhorteth. Now, you, know, you ever know people are just, they're just always, they, they have the ability to encourage you. Uh, uh, and uh, they're just people that are way. And, and I think one of the best examples is, is Miss Sandra, when she's here and singing, you know, at the, a lot of times uh, and she starts singing from her heart, right, to the Lord. Uh, and, and what is she, she's, she's exhorting us. Now in her, she's just, it's so big in her, she, you know, she has to let it out. Well, that's the proportion of faith. Uh, and so she's exhorting the church. Uh, and so we allow that gift to operate because it's a, it's a valid gift and it's a helpful gift and we, we appreciate it. He that giveth. So there is a, there is a special gifting of, that the Lord has placed upon certain people. Now everybody can give, but the Lord has given certain people just that ability to give uh, and, uh, and so he funnels lots of income through those people. Uh, and so he said that that's a, a particular ministry. Let him do it with simplicity. Uh, in other words, don't be showy about it, right? Don't, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I want to I give. Can I, can I give big today, Lord? Uh, and so 
you know, you just do it because it's the simplest thing in the world. Just write a check, write or give whatever you want to give. Uh, certain people are that way. He that ruleth or, or that uh, is administrator with diligence. There's a gift that people have that ability, right? And he that showeth mercy with, uh, with cheerfulness. Uh, and so even showing mercy is a gift that the Lord has given to certain people. They just have the ability to say, you know, you're completely guilty, but, uh, but we're going to let you slide for this reason. And they can help people in that way. Uh, and so, uh, so in order to reconcile Mark chapter 10 with 1 Timothy chapter 6, you can't say that it's wrong, uh, objectively wrong, to be rich uh, as far as ha- having a, an abundant supply. Uh, you can't say it's wrong for your goal is to be rich because that's what caused the rich young ruler difficulties. Uh, if that's your goal, I just want to be rich. Well, then that's a problem, right? Because your heart's not 100% to be there with the Lord. If your heart's 100% with the Lord, he will find a way to increase you. He said that in Mark chapter 10, didn't he? So, and, and a hundredfold above what you think. And so it can't hardly be wrong to have an increase because he literally said he was talking in context about the rich young ruler who was way richer than all the other people there that I wanted to, to multiply him by 100 times. Uh, anybody ever heard that story before? No, you only hear the rich young ruler. You've got to give it all to the poor. Well, they never told him to give it all anyway. Uh, and it's like, well, but what was the kicker? The kicker was so he could multiply him 100%. The, the, but the whole point, the whole point of... The story with the rich young ruler is he wanted eternal life and the Lord said, you need to give your heart to me. Right now, your heart is to your riches and that's a problem. And when you get your heart not towards your riches but to the Lord, there's no, there's no limit to what he can provide for you, right? So it's not about whoever dies with the toys wins. It's where is your heart? If your heart's for the Lord, there's no limit to what he'll give to you. Uh, and and that's, you, that's the only conclusion you can come to by looking at the whole counsel of God. If you stop at just when the, when the Lord said, well, it, it's, it's impossible, nearly impossible for rich people to get into heaven, then you'll preach that. And, and nobody, everybody be broke all the time, right? Uh, and it's like, but no, you give your heart to the Lord, he will multiply whatever you've given to get the Lord a hundredfold. And, and that's what he said, now in this time, not when we die. Who, who cares if you get a, a hundred bars of gold when you're in heaven? What are you going to do with it, right? The streets are made out of it, so it's not that important. But anyway, so... Uh, uh, we, we need to be consistent in our teaching. We'll, we'll finish up First Timothy chapter 6 when we come back next week there. But let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that you desire for our hearts to be for you, Father. And if our heart's for you, then, then you will anoint us and prosper us, Father, as you see fit, as you give us instructions. Father, it is not ungodly to be prosperous, Father. It's just wrong that our hearts are primarily towards the things of this world. If our hearts will remain first and foremost with you, Father, then there is no limit to what you provide for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And, Father, we give you all the praise and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this, this, this evening's offering. You know, a lot of people think it's either or. Either your heart is with the Lord or you can be wealthy. And, and the, the, you, you just can't hardly come to that conclusion by looking at the whole counsel of God. The greatest men of the Old Testament were, all, were always wealthy people. Abraham, super wealthy, right? So wealthy that him and Lot couldn't even st- stick around together. Come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. Uh, David was wealthy. He, he wrote uh, and, and put aside uh, $17 billion out of his own pocket for the construction of the, of the temple, out of his own pocket, not just out of the, out of the, the uh, treasury of the nation of Israel. Solomon was the wealthiest man there ever was. Job was the wealthiest man there ever was. 
uh, in his time frame. Uh, all these great men of God were exceedingly wealthy. Um, and, and so uh, there can't hardly be anything wrong with it. The goal, the, the issue is where is your heart, right? If all you ever do is talk about money, then your heart's with money and you're out of, out of order with the Lord. Uh, but, you know, if I can have a conversation for five minutes and we don't talk about money, then you're probably all right, right? And I'm not, don't, oh, I'm a pen, you know, can I talk about, uh, I'm not judging anybody. It's just, you know, that one guy was the only guy I ever thought about that. And so, uh, but uh, anyway, the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, we'll be blessed and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday, right?